and welcome back to the I Get Buckets podcast. As always, I am your host, Simon Harrix, and thank you for tuning in to what is podcast number four for the special series of fantasy draft reviews for the I Get Buckets Fantasy League. So today we are going through teams seven and eight out of ten, and as always, we're going through players one to fifteen on the squad and reviewing my special thoughts and expectations for the upcoming season. Um, Right off the bat uh, for today's podcast, we just have a few announcements or apologies on my behalf um, for oversights um, that may have been mentioned from the the last few podcasts we'll be doing in this series. Um, Apology number one, I must say that I think I've continually referred to the season starting on Thursday this week now, which is um, just flat out wrong. It's Wednesday, so get your lineups in. Um, was a little bit confused given I'm trying to clear my schedule for the Brooklyn game, but I'm happy to say that um, now we've got through the busy weekend and I'm, I'm kind of getting myself settled on, on what the fuck's going on for the rest of the year before Christmas. Um, Christmas is a Friday. I think I tried to, to tell people about four times on the weekend that Christmas is Saturday, but no, it's Friday, which means that basketball starting two days before that on the 23rd, which makes it a Wednesday. So um, there we go. First apology done. Second apology, um, I must say that I've been mispronouncing um, Chris Boucher, and I'm not surprised with this one. Um, I think I kind of knew that maybe it was <laughs> wrong when I was going to say it, but I thought that I'd just take a take a go and someone would pull up me or maybe would, wouldn't hear it. But um, yes, it's not it's not Boucher, it's, it's, it's Boucher. And maybe actually um, I'm getting stitched up and, and I've been called out and maybe it's wrong, but it's definitely Chris Boucher, I think. So I guess given that I don't even know how to say his name, maybe you can throw all of the analysis um, in the bin or maybe you could say that because I didn't even know how to pronounce his name, that's how early he went. Um, that's up to you. Um, last and maybe the most important apology to be had before we, we get down to business is um, that I have been getting the, the emphasis wrong on Coach Dan's newly named team, Siakam on them titties. Um, I was a little bit, I guess, <laughs> um, wrong in saying that I thought it was Siakam on them titties, but I've been made painfully aware that no, it's Siakam on them titties, which is a reference to sucking, which is come straight from the Peaches song. Sucking on my titties like you wanted me Calling me all the time like Blondie Check out my Chrissy behind It's fine all of the time Like sex on the beaches What else is in the teachers of peaches? So there's that And apologies to all involved And, and I hope that um, we can continue this season and, and we are all now on the same page of, of where we're going with that Which is what we want to do <laughs> So now that those uh, most important things are out of the way, we can get straight into um, back to the I Get Buckets review for our team, starting with team um, number seven. So this is um, a great one to do. It's, um, what is it? We've got Coach Chris here, a.k.a. Lukey's Bookies, a.k.a. The Boogeyman, coming in hot, um, drafting number seven and going straight to Damian Lillard off the top. So, ways he could have gone, the fact that he averaged 29.3, he has that, that floor of production that 
coaches really like from a, a first-round player knowing that he's going to be a reliable locked-in role. There's question marks over the the four picks that kind of went after. I think in our first round, when you, you want if you want to talk about you know the return of Kevin Durant, uh, LeBron James potentially, you know being rested and and, and not playing back-to-backs, um, and then Joel Embiid is obviously you know injury things and and just there's the stuff to go up. Or things to kind of happen in Philadelphia. So I think what is maybe a, a different way of, of, of looking for what we think from Coach Chris Teams in terms of going a little bit safer up top with Damian Lillard, I think you can you can really buy into to, to what he's doing. I know really he's a, a second round pick most years. Um, so that you know in that case, there's there's some concern. You know, going pick pick one on on Damian Lillard, he really doesn't have that potential to push his average up over thirty, which a lot of you know other players of course kind of do. But um, I don't, I don't you know buy all of that. We've seen Damian Lillard you know really improve in in every season. Um, I know he's he's getting a little bit older, but I wouldn't completely throw away the um, I guess positive outlook that you know Damian Lillard might you know keep getting better. There's a lot to say about him you know being loyal to the city of Portland and, and buying into what they want to do and thinking that Portland is a team that can contest in, in you know the, the top of the west I know there's a lot to be said there I'm not sure if they do have the capabilities but uh, you know there's a lot to be said about Damian Lillard and CJ as you know the combo there and, and he's the man to to lead them and I like, you know, he, he would say that he, he's the one that's starting the, you know, the trend of, 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 you know, deep shot threes and he wants to be, you know, put some of that respect back on his name um, when they talk about, you know, the likes of, of Stephen Curry and, and Trey Young with the range that, that he's, he's the guy. So I like, I like the pick. I'm happy with the pick. I had him at 11 on my board. So it's a little bit. Um, I guess a touch early, but I think a lot of those names that I just said have, have concerns on them. And I, you know, thought that when you went to well, some of the hardest picks in this draft, if you, I, in my eyes, was, you know, that pick four James Harden problem. But once you get after, you know, James Harden, Jokic and Towns, and the, the next big question was there at seven. Um, so I think he's, he's navig- navigated it quite well going with Damian Lillard. And mentioning um, or speaking of Trey Young, that is his second pick here with um, pick 14. So um, I have a flashbacks and, and I guess wake up in, in, in sweats in the middle of the night sometimes with Trey Young, given that, wow, I've gone on record in the most embarrassing thing I've probably said in my draft reviews was that Trey Young um, was no good and a bad pick last year um, at pick 30. And what a, what a, um, a turnaround for him. Uh, with an average of 28.3 last year. So I think I'm not going to, to kind of hard and fast say anything outlandish about Trey Young this year because uh, there's a concern there. Um, I think at, at, at pick 14, you look at his average, as I just said, 28.3, and it's, it's, it's hard to say anything too bad about Trey Young. I think there's question marks around Atlanta and them shooting for playoffs and, and their off-season acquisitions. To, to Rajon Rondo was one's a bit interesting, but I really don't think it impacts too much. Obviously, there's... Um, I guess the thing with Trey Young is the next level of his production leap it would be in his efficiency, in his shooting, I think. Uh, for the volume of shooting last year, that really is what vaulted... Um, Obviously, he he sets to be where he is, but obviously, you know, the passing game was there. 
that the, the turnovers could come down. But I think what you see with Trey Young and, you know, fantasy point guards of the past in terms of whether it's Jason Kidd or um, even James Harden to a degree when he when he had that um, season when he was really playing point is some of the, the, the turnover numbers you can kind of swallow because you want your your fantasy point guard to be looking at opportunities to, to push base and, and make things happen. And you got to take the good with the bad. Um, I think, you know, the fact of you know him pushing off ball doesn't no like you know Trey Young's your your point guy I, you know a lot of my concerns with him last year I, you know I still had throughout the year and I still have now in terms of you know what can he be in terms of building a block for a playoff team the defensive issues are you know rife but what I did get wrong was I thought you know some of the shooting splits would would at the end of the year you know look pretty pretty yuck but. Um, that was completely wrong. You know, the, the efficiency of what he's going to make his shots at is such a high level for, you You know, the fantasy output and, and the fantasy, you know, lens that we need to look at all these players through. So um, I had Trey Young at, at pick 20 on, on my big board only because, um, you know, there's a there's a world where some of the shooting, you know, can still, still hurt you and, and with a, a young point guard. Um, there's still, you know, the rawness about, him being locked into a top fifteen uh, NBA talent, um, but again, I've I don't really have any problems with it here. You know the players I had in front of him in terms of like Bradley Beal, Rudy Gobert, and Bam Adebayo. It was just more like a, a safety kind of locked in um, to things. You know with some of the the rebounds that I think you know are a lot more certain in in a fantasy stock points. But um, I think for for his Going to you know two point point guards off the bat, um, you know there's you know two of the best point guards in, in, in the world of fantasy. So I think this could go right, and it could be um, a really good pick. I think this is where you you didn't want to go too much earlier in my eyes with Trey Young, um, but there's you're not gonna you're not gonna hear me saying it was an early pick for Trey Young because <laughs> I'm not gonna open myself up for that again, but. Yeah, um, we go through, and I think next, Nikola Vucevic um, is fine. It's 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 funny with the the Orlando Magic again. I think I said with 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 Blake Griffin to get the the best fantasy um, player for a team is is always something that I'm I'm looking to do. And I guess for the Orlando Magic, there's there's Nikola Vucevic, and then there's really a distance between you know what is a a reliable fantasy asset on their team, and when when you look at it purely through that lens, I think it's 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 a it's a really, you know, nifty pick at, at pick twenty seven. I actually had um Nikola Vucevic at number twenty eight on my big board. So in terms of that, I'm more than happy. I think twenty six point four average last year really should, you know, trend in a in a similar way. It, it's weird with Vucevic, he almost became an afterthought in, in drafts and because I guess the focus was on on teams that had, had really you know made the the leap in in fantasy to get them back into playoff productions. We've seen in, in years past some of the reasons for that are, are those later players that have really made made the push up, and a lot of them are younger players, but some of them are just the afterthoughts. And Vucevic has been that for players in the past where he he you don't think he's going to get you know too much better. Um, and because of you know the X factors around him, he slips a little bit. I don't think he slipped in this in this case, and I think this is just giving a little bit of a background to to, to his his points and his standing in the league. Um, he's obviously 
made a you know attempt to, to push out and, and, and shoot more and his mid-range elbow game has always been fantastic and if he can shoot more more threes I think the rebounding is there I still have you know concerns about the Orlando Magic and what they're doing but some of those concerns actually make it more palatable for me to sort of want Vucic in my team just because he's he's going to be the one that has to has to pick up some of the load I think the the stock on Mo Bamba as a prospect is is depleting at a rapid state. Um, I've already said some of my concerns about Aaron Gordon, but all the rest of the players around, you know, the team, no one kind of, you know, really jumps out. And um, by default, if, if Vucevic can just, you know, produce the same amount, then we're all good there. The next player I think is really fascinating, and that's he goes again with a point guard, um, which would be, is a trend that we'll talk about at pick 34. So that's Jamal Murray. I've been a, a big Jamal Murray fan almost to a fault in the past two years. And I think it's my immediate concern when I was doing my big board was almost that um, I guess you, you get blinded a little bit with the recency bias. I think and Jamal Murray is a, a, was a potential candidate for this given, you know, the Denver Nuggets, the way they played in the playoffs and, you know, how fantastic he was and some of the, the numbers, especially with the scoring, obviously blew you away. So... Um, it was a decision I think that all coaches had to make in terms of thinking. You know, is this is this you know real in terms of the next step for Jamal Murray as a an NBA fantasy player, or um, you know, we, do we have to look back at, at the last you know, year where he averaged nineteen across you know a season for fantasy, and is you know how much of this improvement is really going to translate to to some of the scores? And I mean, I had him. Um, what I think was you know. I guess respectable place, but you know, with a little bit of trepidation. But but knowing that he did what he did on my big board, um, and that was have him at at pick thirty five. So you know, in in that aspect, I think at thirty four for um, Chris, he's, he's he's done really well here. It's just hopefully that you know that that nineteen needs to get better. Um, we see that he has a real kind of star quality about him. You know, the shooting touch. Um, there was always kind of there. We saw it, you know, where he won the MVP for the rookie game, you know, years back when he, you know, come into the league. Um, you know, he has his real 50-40-90 um, feel about him. Um, you know, he's automatic from the line. It's, um, you know, tendencies in games where he, you know, he, he can get a, a little bit out of it. Um, you know, a lot of the assist numbers, whether it's Jokic kind of taking over or, you know, he's almost the hockey assist guy in a lot of way. He doesn't really get um, the numbers that you see the other point guards get because of, you know, the pick and roll or, you know, he's, he's placing the offense to kind of cut and kick to, to three-point shooters. He's he's more, you know, more flow and, and go through Jokic and, and, and be a bit more balanced. And sometimes, you know, if the shot clock goes late, you know, you let him cook a little bit and he... He ends up, you know, taking, um, you know, your mid-range shot, which, you know, you can be quite, you know, happy with. It's just a lot of the other counting numbers haven't haven't been there as much. And when he, he's scoring, you know, has been a little bit up and down, it, it, it's, it's, it's hard to know, you know, where the leap is going to be. I think, you know, he averaged 18.6 points last year. And, and the hope is that, you know, Denver really push it above um, or help him push it above 20 you know, the counting stats of around, you know, five assists and four rebounds last year, you know, is, is about in line with what you're going to get, I think. But we have seen weeks, and I've had him, you know, on, on weeks in fantasy where 
you know, he's consistently putting, you know, up 30s um, for you and really, really shapes out your weeks. It's just, I think, as I said, I, I do see scenarios where, you know, at the end of the year, players like Michael Porter Jr. are potentially, you know, a more interesting and reliable and better fantasy asset because um, his impact on the Devon Nuggets and the leader, as he is, sorry, for Jamal Murray, doesn't, you know, automatically make him, you know, a top um, 40 NBA um, fantasy prospect. And, we, you know, we have a little bit of a track record with that there. So I like the gamble. I just think it's worth keeping in mind that uh, just because of what we saw last year and his age and the Denver Nuggets tracking and everything like that doesn't make it an automatic pick. Um, and he's he's finished the past few years going earlier than what he would on the, the big ranking towards the end of the year. So I think that's just worth keeping in mind. But I think what we saw last year in the playoffs, especially, obviously, is is really promising. So, you know, to get him at, at, at pick 34, again, compared to my, you know, ranking pick 35, I think it, it is a really good get. So happy for that. Like it. It's building nicely, even with <laughs> three-point guards in the first four picks. And it doesn't stop because the next point guard he takes at pick 47 is John Wall. So this is one that I had trouble pegging on the big board and probably everyone did given the fact that we haven't seen him you know, play for two years. I think it's, it's hard to imagine. Obviously, he comes back and gets to the heights that he was when he was a player that drafted in the second round for our league. And I guess the, the top of the John Wall days um, for the Washington Wizards, you know, it was really that, you know, 16-17 season when he's one of, you know, the more dynamic um, NBA point guards in the league. I think a lot of coaches really would have struggled about what was the right time to, to take a gamble on John Wall um, because, you know, the upside's quite tantalizing to, to imagine that you could pick someone up that... Um, kind of walks into an interesting role with the, the Houston Rockets. Obviously, being on a new team adds even more of a wrinkle, but I don't mind the scenario there. I think they've, they've just shown that, you know, his pathway to the starting point guard, or basically, you know, the usage rate of Russell Westbrook walking out means, you know, there's there's all this, um, you know, uh, a role for him to fit. So I think, I think that all kind of trims fine. It's just obviously what we're going to see, I think, a lot of coaches, yeah, really, really would have struggled, I think, to, to, to pigeonhole where he should should go. And I guess, you know, Chris, Coach Chris has, you know, shown the answer to be that he's willing to, to go, um, you know, with pick 47 and what is, your, you know, your fifth player. I think there's a tremendous amount of risk tying too much of your stock, um, you know, to a, a guy that hasn't, you know, seen that, that much of a clock for, for two years, given he's only the fifth player that you've picked. But... If the upside breaks right, um, you know, it, 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 it's really, really good. I'm just looking, you know, some of the players that went after him in terms of, you know, Montrez Harrell, Oladipo, another one that huge, has huge question marks, and Gordon Haywood in the same round. Shows to me that a lot of coaches are, are really willing, especially at this time in the draft, to take a little bit more of a, a, a punt on someone that, you know, while might go wrong um, and slip, you know, outside of the stock of what would be your, you know, your top ten um, rounds of players, or even essentially the top hundred, that if things break right, you know, they can really push, you know, your, your top thirty, and to get that, you know, that benefit is really where it sets you up. I even earlier in, in the round, player that has looked fantastic in his first preseason game of, of Christian Wood went, you know, four picks 
before John Wall and other Houston um, thing. And then the, the whole fit of what Houston's going to be, um, we're not going to know until till the end of the, the James Harden um, hostage situation. But to be honest, um, when I started doing my big, ball, big board, I, I had John Wall around the 50 mark. But I kept bumping him down because I was I was really concerned about wanting to to take a swing on someone that could could it could go wrong, um and and putting that much stock to him early. So he ended up going or, or falling to eighty six on my board. That's where I felt more comfortable, and that was because I felt more comfortable taking him after players, um like you know Bogdan Bogdanovich. I had Wendell Carter, um even Tyler Hero. Um, <laughs> I got a big question mark near it with you know Hassan Whiteside as well. These are all really um interesting <laughs> players and and John Wall. It's it, I really don't think I can say too much in terms of that. You know, I wouldn't have risked it that early, but I don't think it's 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 a bad thing to do. You know, if you, if you're staring at yourself, you know, as you're drafting through, you didn't feel you know too comfortable with anyone else that was was available, and that the the stock and the ceiling for for someone of John Wall's talent is that that you 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 pay the price. You know, obviously his shooting is an issue, and and was before he went down. I think it might be even more of an issue um, when he comes back to to Houston. But the preseason um, talk has been good. I don't buy too much into the whole. Uh, you know, other players were working out with him in LA and he looks really good. I don't put too much stock in it, but you'd rather hear it than not hear it. Um, so I think I think we're going we're gonna to look back and um, Chris's team, some of the success might be really tied to, to, to John Wall and potentially another of his Houston Rocket picks that we will talk about in a little bit. Um, like the risk, like the, the go in, in, in the same vein as um, Coach Dale in terms of you need things to break right. Um, but by taking him here, you, you do set yourself up to fail a little bit if things go wrong. Um, either way, um, it's, it's, this, it's this what makes fantasy fun. If it was straight um, you know, forward about what he was going to do, then there was no point of us even drafting. We'd just you know, pick out of a hat and say, oh, you know, you got number one, you got the best chance of getting all the teams and you're going to win this year. So um, here we go. It, 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 it's, it's cool. I like the pick um, in terms of it being really fun and something that can set up your team if it goes right. So all good. Next pick um, is 54, Stephen Adams. So... I, I do like, um, similar to, you know, I think Damian Lillard, um, you know, set the scene for, for some of the picks for Trey Young and then Vucevic set, set more for Jamal Murray. Stephen Adams is probably a, a good pick after John, John Wall. Um, again, you know, changed team. I think um, Coach likes a, a little bit of the sexiness of, of, of players coming into different scenarios um, and, you know, that's where his variation on his big board might be to, to other coaches. I think Stephen Adams... Even though he's you know changed to New Orleans, and I you know have a little bit of the concern about some of the stuff that they they want to run as a system there, and how Stephen Adams fits into it, I you know I think you know the track record of what you've seen is enough to to to, to expect that you know Stephen Adams at pick fifty four is a, a double double guy, um, and gives you essentially what kind of you've got from the last few years anyway I had him um, at big a pick 61 on my big board um, 
So a touch early, but I think the, the average of 21.1, again, is, is the way you need to put some kind of respect on, on someone who averages over 20 to, you know, put them in where, you know, you're in the rounds of, you know, five to eight, um, unless you think it's really going to drop off. I think there is definitely a chance that it, that it drops off slightly, and maybe that's why I pushed him back a little bit. But I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if we, we go through first 20 games of the season and he's averaging, you know, around that 20 mark because he just has the body of work that kind of makes things um, safe. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would have loved him a, a couple of rounds earlier. Oh, sorry, later. But it's fine. I think the next one that is, is more interesting is, is Rui Hachimura. So at pick 67, I think that Chris here has picked him out as one of the players that he really thinks is going to take a big leap this season. So I thought Rui Hachimura last year showed all the glimpses that he could be a really reliable fantasy asset. I think injuries derailed a lot what he was doing. Um, but what I liked most about him was the the ability to impact your fantasy score outside of scoring. Um, you know, he averaged 13.4 in terms of points per game um, last year, but the rebounds at six, you know, really trended well. He, you know, he averaged close to a steal a game, um, and, you know, he was fairly efficient in what he did. I think, you know, the corner threes um, are something that he needs to, to be really reliable in because... The way I see him on the pecking order of the, the Wizards this year is what is going to make him a little bit more make or break. I thought last year, you know, with, with obviously Wall not playing um, and the Wizards being a little bit more open for, for minutes and, and reliant on, on wanting to get time into their, their first round pick, I thought the avenue to fantasy was open and everything that he did makes him... Um, kind of solidifies what I thought he could be last year. I just think it becomes harder for him this season now that, you know, Westbrook comes back. They've drafted um, Debbie Avdia and put a lot more money into Davis Bortans, obviously, to keep him. There's, I think just the pathway to success fantasy-wise has become a little bit more hazy, even though, you know, I believe in what he was doing last year. It translates better uh, this season in terms of his raw skill set and what he's going to be as an, as an NBA player. In saying all that, I had him at 96 on my big board. So to draft him um, here at 67, I do feel it is a huge leap. I'd be really concerned that he middles out as being you know, an average fantasy player someone that's like on the cusp that has a leap forward if, you know, the role strike right or an injury happens. Um, yeah, I just, I, it, it's hard for me to, to really picture the the big upside as him as a fantasy player unless he he doesn't just trend correctly like I was hoping. He, he completely annihilates the expectation and, and, and blows up in a big way. Um, I just think there's, there's there's elements of his game that you look at that you can't really get a hold of. Like this is where it's going to come from. I don't think he's going to be you know a tremendous high volume scorer in the NBA. Um, I think you know he's going to be a, a reliable, hopefully you know three and D that has a little bit more of an X factor of um, you know for him. And if he can do a lot more of the shot, obviously he's he's quite athletic, and we've seen on on Team Japan that in a high usage role. 
I mean, it's a small sample size and, and obviously it's, you know, World Cup stuff and a little bit other if you want to delve deeper that, you know, the, the stock is in to, to become a, a fantasy player. But I'm not sure if this is the year. I want to see more of him. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to, to track. I just think these are the picks that can potentially derail the, the, the team a little bit because I, I feel it's a 30 picks and potentially, you know, that three rounds too early for me. But if it does break right, it's great. And he can potentially make up um, some of the points that I think are going to be lacking with that pick with his next one at 74 for DeMarcus Cousins. A lot of what I would have just said with John Wall um, breaks even here, but I think you even doll it up even more. I think the floor of what you're going to get from John Wall, we know is going to be something. I'm not sure what the floor is for, for DeMarcus Cousins. Obviously, he's coming off the back of, of two devastating injuries. The first one being the Achilles and him going down at a time where he was drafted eighth, I think, in our league. And at the time, he was in the top four for our, our league in terms of points scored and average as he was completely dominating um, for, the, for the Pelicans. There's a, there's, there's a scenario where DeMarcus Cousins is a top 30 pick. I, I, I think it's a small likelihood, but... You know, this is what we're talking about when a guy is a former first-round player. I think the um, Christian Wood thing muddies things a little bit for me. Um, the coach, Stephen Silas, and the new system, you know, that muddies things a little bit for me. But if he if he gets an allotment of minutes, I think, you know, the, the floor is enough that we look back and say pick 74 is not just smart it's it's a really good pick but the 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 flip side of that coin is that you know Christian would you know is a lot more um you know the dynamic you know big man role that they do to Marcus Cousins is has you know a little bit more of an afterthought you know gets some of the you know the minutes the bit of mechanic stats but he's not the volume scorer you know that he was they don't they don't want him to 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 take a lot of the shots that you know made him become such a, a rounded box score, you know, fantasy player. Um, the defensive stats just might not be there anymore. Um, it's really interesting to see that, you know, the projections um, for him this year, uh, you know, 26 minutes a game and still, you know, scoring 15 points and eight rebounds. Obviously, if those track um, well, then, you know, pick 74 is fine. Um, I think every all the risk about John Wall, yeah, times two. And then, obviously, you know, you wait three more rounds to, to, to roll the dice on DeMarcus Cousins. It's just when you're doubling down now, and not only did you go for Wall, but you went for the Cousins as well, um, you really open yourself up, um, either either good or bad, for for your fantasy hopes being tied to, you know, how much um, you've got two Achilles <laughs> um, injuries in, in DeMarcus, obviously... Um, was the quad and then the ACL as well. I don't, I don't love having that risk factor on your team, but um, the X factor is just hard to, to to fathom if things break right. I would have loved maybe having one of them. And this, this is just me and maybe being more conservative. Two makes me scared. 
but you know in the morning when I looked um, and saw that you know coach had gone for both it, it, it doesn't surprise me at all and I think that he's going to risk it to get the biscuit first time that I've actually talked to the team because I know he's um, looking to change it but it's uh, it still underpins the philosophy of or how he goes about it and I think it's, it's, it's bang on he wants the biscuit he wants the cookie he wants the taste and these two players might be the way to get it done. So, um, all luck to you. I'm I'm looking forward to see how it pounds out. Not just as a as a fantasy you know fan, but as a basketball fan, I think um, basketball world is better when John Wall and Demarcus Cousins are good. Um, and hopefully it pans out. Um, just obviously not when you're playing me. Next pick, I think, is one of the, the better picks that he's got. And I have a huge amount of stock in Brandon Clark. So at pick 87, I think it's a very good pick. I think last year, the you know, I guess a lot of the talk about him coming in for the rookie season was, was quite hyped. He was you know already touted as what would be you know, a, a dark horse rookie of the year, um, given you know what people thought was a fairly... Solid pathway for him on the Memphis Grizzlies. I think his per not you know minute numbers were were absolutely fantastic. And if you think that his twenty one point eight minute average of last year was going to go up to potentially twenty four or twenty six, which I think is 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 quite relevant, especially at the start of the season with Jaron Jackson Jr. out. I think if Clark can do enough that when he comes back, it's going to be you know put the pressure on on coach to. You know, he just like really can't um, block the production of, of Brandon Clark if he's played well enough with the opportunity. And I, you know, I really think that's his pathway to become a really fantastic NBA player in fantasy wise this this year. The rebounding numbers, I think, you know, can really go up. I think they can be funky if they want to play um, him more at the center. Even I think you know, obviously, that's a, a something that they can do. And I think. Again, it's just opportunity to be a, a rim-running, rebounding, alley-oop kind of guy. To be honest, I need to look a little bit more about you know his scoring prowess and, and what he can kind of do in the post. I don't think there's a lot there on what I've seen before. But again, you know, in the second year, the, the expectation is that he's going to track to improve in a lot of the areas. And I think sometimes the opportunities are the biggest hurdle. And I don't think that is going to be one for him this year. So I'm pretty stoked. Um, on his potential. I'm trying to find where I had him on my big board because I know I, uh, I was pretty fascinated what, with what he was going to do. I had him at 68. Yeah, so um, at 87, I think this is, is really savvy. I'm on board. I'm on board the train. I'm learning Clark. I think, you know, the way I said a little bit with, with, with Ja Moran in terms of I think Memphis are going to get better and that doesn't mean that then they're going to climb the Western standings. But I think as a, as a team, they're growing and getting better and we're going to see some of the stuff that they do potentially, you know, lean itself, um, you know, to be fantasy friendly. And Brandon Clark's a, a part of that. We're interesting to see, you know, Jonas Valanciunas, um, who went pick 60, sorry, 53 in, in, in our draft um, and who I'll talk to a little bit later, how, you know, that impacts things. But um, I like it and... Back-to-back picks that I think are, are really, really good um, is 94 for Larry Markkinen. So Larry Markkinen and I drafted, um, if you give me a minute, I'll be able to tell you because it's, 
something that I thought last year he was going to blow us all away. Um, pick 46 last year in the draft, which I thought became immediately validated um, for the Chicago Bulls' first game last year with what I think was around um, high 20s, maybe in the 30.16 rebounds, I think it was, something like that, you know, at 36 um, in fantasy. Um, I was, you know, over the moon. I thought that was the body work of what we were expecting for, for Larry training forward that season. Um, and I think as we saw with the Bulls, but but Larry in general, the, the, the confidence seemed to fall off the cliff. The, the fantasy, you know, collective numbers just weren't there. Um, I think he's, I mean... We need to dive a little bit more into you know the splits and the coach and what they're running, but the 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 tendency for him to fall in love with the three point shot and kind of go away from from what made him more of a dynamic scorer and you know taking it a little bit more to the whole you know being um, a little bit fancy with some of the moves that he can pull you know his his big upside of him as a player moving forward was you know a little bit of that Porzingis light in terms of like a, a smaller you know. Smaller kind of, you know, like a wing power forward who can do a lot and, you know, threaten with the shot. But I think he's a little bit, you know, weak. I think he needs to, you know, get stronger and, and be more powerful and, and exert himself on, on games a little bit more. Obviously, the offensive, you know, rawness and potential is, is, is everything that we, we want to believe for, for things to trend forward. And I think he gets another crack at it this year. I think a, a, another crack that we can kind of write off what, what happened. Um, obviously, Boylan's out the door. They need to restore his confidence, um, put him in the places to succeed, but I think he just wasn't last year. And to be able to, to gamble on all the upside that I thought he had last year when I picked him 46 remains here at pick 94. I think, obviously, the the issue was that he averaged 16.1 last year. Um, I, I had him in my board at 66. And I had an asterisk on it, but I was I was I was really kind of locked into taking him. I think I said in my review I was I was taking him the next pick. Um, I was I was ready to do that. I I gambled with you know picking um, Campbell Walker uh, ahead of him, and maybe I should have switched it up. In saying this, you know this is this is my wildly high expectations bleeding in from last year to this year. You can't ignore you know how. I, it was nearly at the point where I had to drop him last year. He was so unreliable and painful to to, to, to really guess what he was going to get last year. And the, the shooting um, splits were really disappointing. Um, and his counting numbers kind of fell off a cliff um, to a point where both him and, and, and Wendell Carter Jr. Um, didn't really take the leap as the rookie-scale guys that you know, you'd know you think that we're going to build upon and, and, and get better with. Um, but I think it's a new scenario. But you know, the, obviously there's a, a big reason why Larry slipped to 94, is that last year was an absolute train wreck and a lot of people who were standing up for, for what he you know could be had to, to take their lumps um, watching some of the stuff that the Bulls were running. So... I think we're gonna get uh, maybe a bonus. I get, I get buckets breakdown from from a partner and contributor Dale that, that might lean into a little bit some of what the Bulls are doing this year. It's gonna be a fascinating look at his thoughts there. Um, I think the upside is crazy. I really, really do. Um, I think he has top fifty fantasy potential. Moving on, um, 
it's, it's, it's nice to, to go back to back with Chris picks that I've, I really like. You know, it's fun to, to talk it up. I don't want to be negative. I want to be positive, and I really like those two. But I don't like Kyle Kuzma, 107. No prizes from anyone um, guessing that I wasn't going to like Kyle Kuzma here. I mean, I think he had him last year, and I, he, that was... Uh, hasn't done anything to dint his confidence with what Kuzma's going to be moving forward. I just think it's, you know, really inconsistent output, I think, if he buys into the bench role um, as, you know, an explosive scorer, that's where his value lies. But I like I, I think he's, you know, so inconsistent that it's hard to, to, to get that value. The rebounds, you know, 4.5 last year might, might trend something similar, but we know that you know Dennis Schroeder's coming in, Montrezl Harrell's come in. Um, they've kept KCP. I think he's more reliable. I think there's an increased rule for, you know, Caruso. And while they're all not you know playing the same um, position or, or role, I just think you know these these thoughts of last year where Kuzma was the third option behind LeBron and Davis is just not. It was it wasn't right then, and it's not right now. Um, and to, off the back of everything that happened and. and I guess the view of what we saw with with Kyle Kuzma to to then double down and, and take him at um as your you know year eleven player um one hundred and seven I just think there was a lot more um options available and it may be silly you know on my part but um you know I big boarded you know one hundred and 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 thirty to one hundred and forty deep and he's not on it. <laughs> um, some of that is is a little bit on me just not wanting to to deal with Kyle Kuzma. He's probably got the talent to to really be a, a last you know second or third round player. There there is scenarios where you know the expectations of him being that third option behind Anthony Davis and and LeBron James. Maybe he's not completely gone. Maybe he 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 blows us all away and shows us. You know, I guess we saw some of the stuff that World Cup Team USA thing, where he can he can he can has elements of that offensive uh, mindset, and in the right scenario, that mindset pays off. Um, but I think some of the, the issues has been the mindset of of what he needs to do to to get the best out of him um, as a um, NBA fantasy asset. And I'm just really worried that um, Kyle Kuzma is a, a free agent. Um, by the end of January. We'll see. Uh, next one, 114, Marcus Smart. I, I mean, it feels like I have a lot of boys in the NBA, but but Marcus Smart, um, I've been uh, undeniable and unapologetic about what I think he brings to an NBA basketball team. I think um, every basketball player or basketball team gets better um, with someone with Marcus Smart. I think, obviously, defensively, um, he's been, you know, a, a ball, but where he becomes interesting fantasy wise is is offensively. From someone who you would leave, you know, wide open on, on the three, he's become a lot more reliable. Someone that, while he might take too many of them and take too many quickly, um, has shown that when he's open, he has you know the savviness and the touch to 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 make shots. And I think there's a pathway for him to be. Um, a lot more offensively minded. I'd be interesting to see at the start of the season um, how much they kind of go to Teague or maybe play um, start smart a little bit more in the ball handling roles. I think it'd be really fun. Um, I think he trends up this year, and that that's got a lot to do with his role. But I think gone are the days that Marcus Smart is you know just your defensive you know guy, a glue guy, um, 
fit around the team. I think, you know, he, he, he's shown that all his talents um, translate into a, a scoring threat or an option, and as well as a, a pretty smart um, passer. It, it, like, it, it's just how much does it come together for him to be um, fantasy viable. Um, I, like, I, I still think last, you know, few seasons, he's been a real fringe fantasy player, and now he's he's locked. I, th- I think he, 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 he finds himself on a team all year, and he's better than that fringe guy now. Whether he's four rounds better than that fringe guy um, will, I mean, it, you know, begs to be seen. I, I don't think it's too early. I think it, it, it's, it's, I had him 115 on my board, which is basically bang where he's gone. I always go in with the mindset that you want players a little bit later on, on your big board, and when you get back to, you know, your 100, 120 draft point, that's really where you want to um, see, you know, guys who is in your holds are falling. But I can't, I can't be too down on that. I think he sticks in the league. Loved him, you know, around later maybe. But I think he, Chris is, or, or coaches locked in on the potential uptick um, from Marcus Smart this year and, and, and gather, got him at the right time. Um, next, I think Josh Richardson, in a similar way that I think he tracks, you know, into an opportunity to to increase, you know, his offensive output from from what was uh, up and down kind of role with you know Philadelphia seventy um, sixes. Again, one of those players I think people, you know, pushed him to 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 to, you know, maybe a little bit more than than what he had been relied on to do in Miami, and we got caught up in. Some of the scenario, I guess, fits fantasy wise for Josh Richardson in, in Miami that you know really paid off, and then you know in Philly it's it's harder for him to to do a lot of the things that we want to see him from fantasy. Um, you know, last year he, he dropped basically in all categories, and now he's got a new opportunity. You know, if he sits, you know, next to to Luka Doncic potentially a little bit more. Um, I guess obviously he was traded for for Seth Curry, and he's not going to be able to shoot the ball like Seth Curry. But you know, I think he, all of his his more rounded um, fantasy game and, and counting potential makes it uh, a worth a flyer, especially if you're going to get him um, at 127. I think I think that's the lower end of of where um, he should have gone, and I I I think the upside is is really you know interesting and, and smart for Chris to, to go here. So that's fine. Like it. Um, Dylan Brooks in a really similar kind of thing. I think potentially he makes a bit of more of a, a jump and, you know, gets the counting stats to be a little bit more funky this year. Um, I don't love him as a, as a guy. He talks too much a little bit for, for what he's done so far. Um, but I think he, his role is there's a, there's a lot of other Memphis, Memphis Grizzly guys that I kind of like a little bit more, but I think Dylan Brooks is a fun one to roll the dice on, and Marcus Morris Senior is already off the team, so I was ready to to say that was um you know a useless pick, but you know you've done done the work for me getting rid of him. I'll do a quick Cole Anthony, I guess, because you picked him up. Um, Cole Anthony's you know a fun rookie player that obviously preseason scores have maybe pushed him up people's boards or, or increased his rate of pickup. Um, but that, you know, doesn't differ to, you know, what my outlook was for him at the start in terms of uh, a fun a fun guard on um, a depleted Orlando team, but someone who's going to be inconsistent and really has Marco Fultz ahead of him. Um, I really think 
he might be late season fun, but early season he's going to be a hard own and might be on back on the free agency soon. We'll see though. I think it's fun. It's better than Marcus Morris Senior, that's for sure. So that pretty much wraps up um, the team there at uh, pick seven for Coach. I think overall it's, <laughs> um, yeah, there's some concerns from, from 1 to 15, but there's a lot of players that could break right and really make um, games very interesting. I have, like, I do think there's a concern that, you know, the possibility things with Damian Lillard and Trey Young um, up top don't break the right way. And, you know, if, if and I think it, it's not out of the realms of the possibilities that they're both not, you know, top 15 players at the end of the year. Um, I think, obviously, odds are that they're, they're at least one of them are. But I think when you compare his top two players to, to some of the other ones, I think whether it's, um, you know, Anthony Davis and Bradley Beal or, or Giannis and Kawhi or even like Jokic Tatum, of the ones that we've reviewed um, this far, I think it's it's hard to expect one of them to really be a, a, a top, you know, five, six, you know, fantasy prospect that, that teams can build on. And there's a concern that at the end of the year, if you don't have a player that's top 12, top 13, it really makes it harder for you to, to contribute to, to a lot of winning. I think that's a real doomsday scenario. I think, you know, Damian Lillard is a top 10 player. I think Dre, Trey Young's a, a top 20 player, but it just stands out to me when I'm I'm going through the list. I think, obviously, we've spoken enough about John Wall and, and DeMarcus Cousins, but they're real X factors. I, I love um, having Brandon Clark. I love Larry. I still really like Jamal Murray. I think it was the, the right time. With question marks, I think, again, we know Coach is going to be active with free agency. I do, I do think... Um, he might have to do it. I think things might have to really go well with Wall and Cousins, which makes me a little bit concerned. But overall, it's a it's a fun team, and, and, and we'll see how it goes. Okay, next we're going to move straight into team drafting eighth. So we have LeBron the Builder, and that's because um, aforementioned LeBron is pick eight this year. So another one that, is um, fun eighth on my big board. It's exactly where I would have taken him. I think we've seen last year average of thirty two point nine. What he did with the Lakers leading to the title. Um, the King is far from succeeding his throne to anyone else. What he became like a mission last year to to, to prove that point. And while I think he might have taken some of the the fall from gay stuff. Um, to, to heart and used it as motivation where a lot of us really didn't think he was he was stepping off. I think there was definitely something to prove off the back of, you know, his injury-ridden first season with um, the Los Angeles Lakers. And he's proven that he can be the pillar that any championship team is, is constructed around, whether that be real life or fantasy in particular. So I think number eight is fine. Again, there's the the light concern that he's going to take a little bit of rest to start, but you know I think that <laughs> if that stops you taking him top five, but um, I think at pick eight, um, I'm not really too concerned. Obviously, the the counting stats last year are unbelievable. Again, um, you know, I don't think he's he's getting over ten assists a game this year, but who knows? LeBron's LeBron. I think at, at pick eight. 
you know, he take cares he takes care of himself like like no other athlete that we've got really seen in the NBA. And it's silly for him not to be a first round pick. Um, so to get him a pick eight, I think smart. Obviously, the return of you know Stephen Curry and and, and Kevin Durant makes it harder to, to to really go too early on that. I think LeBron's a, a safer option for him to to peg some of your your fantasy stock to. And you know, I mean, it's LeBron fucking James. Like, who, let's go, let's do it. <laughs> I mean, and I I said Stephen Curry because I had him at um, ten on my big board, and I would have if I got you know pick ten. It's it's hard to put you know all your hopes in Stephen Curry, um, but if you get ten, you can you can double down and get someone else that I feel a lot more comfortable about it. Um, and that was my my thought process going in for where, for where it should go. But he's fallen all the way to to thirteen, um, and I'd be more than happy to to to, to lock him up here. Um, last year, obviously, is a complete write off for injury, but before that, we we know how devastating um, Stephen Curry can be. Last year, there was, you know, the talk that without um, Clay and, and Durant leaving, that the real upside to Stephen Curry is becoming more of a, a higher usage, rely, like um, more, I guess, expectation that he needs to pick up some of the slack scoring. Not that he was, you know, a low-quantity scorer, but, you know, from going from, you know, an MVP um, player and, you know, a 5-10 to 10 draft pick that he can, you know, He's never really been you know, your top three or four draft pick, and there was some real um, traction last year that he was like a sneaky MVP pick again, that he was going to break out more more like that. Um, and I think some of that weight is still with Curry. I don't think he's going to be a top five fantasy prospect, but you know, coming off an injury, Clay's not there um, again, which is you know obviously really sad. But you know, the Golden State Warriors still have a little bit of, um, I guess, finding out uh, what they're going to be as the dynasty, you know, takes on a, a different kind of life. Obviously, D'Angelo Russell isn't there anymore, but you've got, you know, Kelly Ubrey Jr. and Andrew Wiggins in the wing. But in terms of the guard rotation, Steph Curry is the man. Um, I'd be stoked to get him, get him here. I think all things panning out well. He, um, you know, he is a, you know, fringe top 10, if not higher, you know, player. And, all things, all pathways for to success for the Golden State Warriors, I think, go through him. And obviously, one of the most dynamic shooters and um, you know players that kind of changed the game um, for us in the what have, has been you know our fantasy um, I guess generation for for this league. And Steph Curry is great. I'd I'd, I'd be stoked at thirteen. Had him at ten on my board. Twenty one point seven average last year. Doesn't really speak to. To what he did, because you know he, you know he can count on two hands. I think how many games he played. Number twenty-eight um, is someone most improved last year for the NBA, and Brandon Ingram. Um, I think this is where he where he needed to go. Obviously, there's a little bit of concern, only that you know you want a track record of, of players you know who score. Um, what he did last year. Uh, where did I have him? 24.6 average, you want that, you know, repeating a little bit before you, you go much higher than 28. But I think everything tracking to say, you know, the Pelicans uh, are going to use Ingram potentially even more as, a, as an avenue to basket. We've, we've seen how dynamic um, he can be in, in all situations and, and one of the big upsides and, and why I was happy to, to get him last year was, you know, 
I think he's quite special in, in, in the way he, he uses the basketball and get to his spots and, and finish either through traffic or his you know, nice mid-range game. I'd like his three-point shooting to be a little bit better, but, I mean, I think you can say that for a lot of players. <laughs> um, I think, you know, obviously, you know, Drew Holiday, um, but without that traditional, you know, scoring point guard, you know, the, the avenue to, to the basket goes through Brandon Ingram, I think he's special. I really do. I think there's, there's probably some, you know, things that he can, he can grow into his game in terms of more of a, a leader or a floor general or things, you know, that you think are beyond the surface level in Grimmie. You, know, you know, obviously, um, he's a little bit of an enigma still in terms of, you know, what he can be as a, as a fantasy player. But I think, you know, the comparisons to, to Mini Durant were, were the, you know, coming out of college. And I don't think... Um, you know, I think you can almost talk about how some of that raw Durant um, scoring, you know, potential and, and, and skill set in the moves that he does are there. Him getting to, to the rim of free throws were a real problem a couple of years ago, but last year, you know, trended a little bit better. If he can even get better from then, I think in every way, he's a safer third-round pick than than guys like Donovan Mitchell or even Kyrie Irving, you know, with, with his injury um, track record, and that's why I had you know Ingram at twenty five on my big board uh, ahead of a couple of these guys, and it's where I would have gone um, with this pick. I think I I I really think based on the first three um, picks here, he he's done very well. Um, obviously, you know Paul George, Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, and as the aforementioned Donovan Mitchell were the five picks after because he goes around twice. And given Donovan Mitchell was five picks after, that's actually his pick again. Um, and he was 26 on my big board straight after. So I think I'm really um, feeling this one so far. Um, I think Donovan Mitchell, in a similar way to the Jamal Murray, we get a bit of the recency kind of bias on how dynamic they were in the playoffs. We kind of got... The demonstration of, of them taking the next step, obviously Donovan Mitchell was the third player in history to score 50 points or more in a single playoff um, series, putting him with a very nice company of Michael Jordan and Allen Iverson. So you don't do that unless you're you know a real special talent. We saw after his rookie season, Donovan Mitchell's stock was basically as high as it could be. And he's kind of let people down in fantasy a little bit since then, so... Like I said, like Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell's average of 21.5 is a little low for someone you, you, you take in, in what, what would, is round four. But, you know, you're betting on him even taking that next step into superstardom. And with that next step, you know, potentially comes a more, more rounded fantasy game. Obviously, the scoring is the upside um, with him. But, you know, obviously, we saw flashes of, of what is... And, you know, what already is, but can be the next step of a real special fantasy um, and NBA player. And I think now the time is right. I had a little bit more apprehensions with Jamal Murray, but, you know, I had Jonathan Mitchell on my board at 26. And I think the the time is right for him to, to never go later than this in a draft for the next few years. Um, and, like, I'm, I'm really, I really think that this is the right time to take... Mitchell, and I'd be 
really thinking that there's a lot of upside with him here. There's still the concerns that um, the counting stats aren't there. He's a little bit inefficient. Um, he can drift out of games. Um, but I'm not worried about that anymore. I'm like, I, I, just, I just think watching him, it's going to kind of take care of itself. Um, the Utah Jazz are going to be still in the, you know, in the mix, and he has too much raw talent um, for you not to bet on, and that's why I had him this high, and I'd be stoked to, to get him. Um, so far, four picks within what is my top 26 on my big board, um, all of which have either gone at the same time or later than I have him. So love it, love it, love it. Next is Montreal's Harrell. I can't say I, I love it as much. He was the sixth man of the year last season, and he did um, average 23.1. But he averaged enough points and was sixth man of the year, and in, in the same breath, you could say the Clippers were more than happy to let him walk and, and, and not pay him and keep him on the team, which I think speaks volumes. Um, I think it's probably a good thing that he's not on the Clippers anymore. Um, his stats in the, in the bubble were obviously um, really, really concerning and his play in the playoffs when he was, was on the same line as most, if not every single one of the Clippers and, and something that you, you're really not going to put much... Um, oh, you, no, nothing you can point at and, and really celebrate, but I guess the big question is how much stock do you put in it? Do you reckon he walks into a role in the Los Angeles Lakers similar to what he did with the Clippers? And, you know, if you can keep his average anywhere near the 23.1, you're, it, it, it makes it a lot, you know, of value to take him in the fifth round pick. I do think there's a lot of concern about, well, you know, the, the elements in the game that he's not really he's good at, you know. He had a lot of his you know points tied to the pick and roll game with Lou Williams and really finishing at the basket um, and being able to work the offensive boards and, and putbacks and um, really you know in the same vein as you know your Rudy Gobert or even your Whiteside last year a little bit in terms of do what you do best and then stick to that and then when you eliminate the you know the negative aspects of your game in terms of not really you know, putting much stock into them because you know you stick to what you could. At, it, it can really pay off and, and translate into to a lot of points, but I'm just I'm just worried about what his role might be with the Los Angeles Lakers, um, and that it's really it, the upside is not enough to, to, to think that he's going to be 23.1. I bumped him down a lot on my big board because I was worried about drafting him. Maybe don't take too much stock in the fact that I had him at 79 which is a lot later, but I was I was really paranoid about taking um, him based on what we saw late last year and because of the contract offers that may not have been out there. I mean, there was just some worry a little bit that he's, you know, a better version of uh, a Dwight Howard on the Lakers, and is, is that enough for you to take him at um, pick 48? I guess we'll see. Um, there's just a little bit of worry that obviously we've seen the ceiling with him and his 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 role was very kind of niche to what they were doing at the Clippers that translated into fantasy points. So I do am really unaware of exactly what his um his fit in his role. Obviously, you can you can take a lot of what he did with the Clippers, but 
I think that was a bit niche, and they kind of brought out the best for him, the, the pick and roll with Lou Williams, obviously having the real focus on the bench, you know, scoring and, and them doing what they needed to do. And yeah, I think I think what he's going to land in is cr- quite up the air. I think the window from what he's average is going to end up in this series. I think, you know, what I would pitch it as is a lot, you know, wider area than where I can look at a lot of other players and get a what I think is a you know more educated feel of, of where it's going to land with Montrezl Harrell. I really think the, um, <laughs> the 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 block of what can happen for him is scary. If you want to if you want to go round five, I, I think that things go well. You know you're getting a, a twenty average um, potential. I really don't think it's going to be the twenty three. I'd take the twenty if in round five, and if that goes well, then great. But you know, the downside is, you know, it could be down to your 15, um, the way the Lakers play and how much stock they, you know, have in, in, in him being more of just kind of a, a big man feel, um, try to protect the rim, try to, you know, do a little bit of putback stuff. Some of the, I guess, I think you can just replace that role and, and in not in just the NBA, but more of a, of the, of the free agency on, on, if things go bad, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard. Um, I've, I've struggled with some of my thoughts um, with Montrezl Harrell, and I think the way I'm struggling to you know put stuff into words in the podcast is why I struggled putting him on my big board. Um, so happy for, for another coach to have a, a gamble here. Um, it's a lot easier for me, I think, to, to, to put what Jonas Valanciunas is going to be um, at pick 53 is, is the next pick. I think... It's a lot more safe to to see, you know, him doing a lot more of what he did last year. Just again, obviously, I think they, you know, had the contract there. I'm very, you know, Brandon Clark's a little bit of the guy that's coming up, but I think you know, Zvalentunas has taken a real, you know, more I guess fantasy friendly, you know, change in his game. Um, I guess to Brook Lopez in terms of you know him expanding his range. I know he probably felt a little bit stunted at at, at Toronto, and I think they've they've they found the perfect you know um, fit for Jonas Valanciunas there, and the translation into fantasy um, I think is 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 huge. The the twenty three point eight average this you know last year I think is real, and you know in juxtaposition to to what I said with Montrezl Harrell in terms of the window. I think, you know, the window is a lot smaller for him, you know, you know, and then above, you know, 20 average to 23. 23.8 is, is very, very high of, um, you know, it really rates him up there if you do it in the player rankings. Um, but I, I would never, I would not thinking that that's out of the realms of possibility for him to do it. I think you've seen him slip, um, not just in our drafts, but I think the expectation of, of him doing what he does is, is, is probably gone under the radar, um, I think. And he's front of mind, again, in the same um, way that Trey Young was because I was quite down on him last year and he proved me wrong. So this year I tried to, to respect what he was doing and I had him at 42 on my big board. So um, I think he's got he's got a bargain here. Um, I think it's, it's it's a safe bet that he's, he's going to be great again um, and just kind of go under the radar. You're not going to really see... Um, him dominate um, news feed or first take or anything like that, but he's going to plow out what you need um, for the Grizz. Um, he's gone, you know, a lot of the big players uh, with, with Harold and Ventunas, another one with LaMarcus Aldridge at pick 68. 
I think I said on, on the podcast reviewing my team that I was actually tossing up between um, Marcus Aldridge and Kevin Love at pick 55. I was, I was you know, good. it would have gone either way with, with, with some of those players. I had LaMarcus Aldridge at 40 on my big board. And it's just because he's, he's, he's again, locked into his role. He does what he does. He averaged 23.2 last year. I do think when you're looking at some of these players, the difference between, you know, average of, you know, 22, 21 to 23 is bigger than, than what you'd think in terms of a feel for the across the whole season. Um, so when I look and see, you know, 23, it really um, stands out to me. Um Again, similar to, to DeMar DeRozan with the Spurs, they're, they're a bit locked into to, to what they do, and I don't think much can be said about him taking a huge step backwards. Obviously, there is some of the concern on the age and, and what they're doing um, down at Spurs, but I don't think the years, you know, this year together, and overwhelmingly, you know, the collective thought is that, you know, Marcus Aldridge is, is not someone that's too much of a game changer, and that's why you see him slip down boards to the point where, you know, I passed him in round six and then it came all the way back to me in round seven and um, I ended up wanting to go in a, a, a different direction. Um, I, 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 I said I was going to toss up between him and then it came around to me again. He was there. I still didn't go, but that was because obviously I really wanted to, to, to get Michael Porter Jr. there. Um, and I think our, um, I guess, mine and maybe collectively other teams want to, to, to go somewhere else is to the benefit of, of Coach Shakira to, to let him fall and... Um, stock up his, his, his fantasy, um, I guess, you know, talent base. So again, I just, I just think it's, it's, it's smart and, and safe and, and down the line. And sometimes that's the way you need to play it. Um, next is, is a little bit more risk, um, now with 73 and that's Lonzo ball. So Lonzo ball, um, goes a little bit after, oh, sorry. What pick is he? 73. Lamello Ball went at 75. <laughs> so we've gone two balls within um, three picks of each other. And I was actually really interested to see who, you know, if people liked Alonzo over Lamello. I think overwhelmingly, if we did a Vox Pop, people would bet on Lonzo. That was the feeling I was getting for coaches. And I think that's because, you know, we know what Lonzo can be. I think it's it's been a tough own at times in the past. And he would have got a lot of shit and did get a lot of shit last year for his play and definitely some of his play um, towards the you know the back end of the season. I don't think it's really all clicked for him before, but we've had flashes. Obviously, the scoring um, and, and what I said with his brother is 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 kind of the same. Like his real, um, I guess, height and, and ceiling and, and where you see his, his his fantasy value is the fact that you know he contributes across the box score. Obviously, his basketball IQ, he's wanting to, you know, play fast pace, he's passing. Um, you know, I don't think he has the, the raw kind of athletic, you know, rebounding that Lamello does, but he has, you know, more of the smart rebounding in terms of getting in the positions, reading the ball, um, you know, quicker than others off the shot and, and being able to, to do that. And it all kind of puts together to a real, you know, nice all-round game. Um, it's just... If he's not scoring, um, you know, too much, how much can the, the counting stats, you know, inflate his his potential and, and his value on a big board to where you're gonna you're gonna take him? I guess the um, positive outlook with that, you know, he's gonna become become more more rounded. 
as a scorer, especially, you know, driving and getting to the hoop and, and shooting free throws, the shooting, I think, yeah, I don't know, it's hard. He shot um, 33.5 um, on three goal, field goal percentage last year, which is, you know, really respectable. Um, it's just <laughs> pushing um, his attempts up, um, getting the, you know, the wide open kind of um, looks, but also, you know, if... Drew Holiday's, you know, not there, depending on, on what Eric Bledsoe is, if, if, if he can, you know, do a little bit more off the dribble when he's shooting, um, it can really pay off. I think I think there were enough question marks for him to be a bit later on my board. I had him at 81, um, and I don't want to go over again on my thoughts of LaMelo versus um, Lonzo. Um, obviously, one hasn't even played in the NBA yet, so it's harder to get... A real kind of stock on that, but I think, you know, there's a, there's a lot of question marks. Things didn't come together um, as we would have wanted last season, and everything still remains there, and um, I think the Pelicans are going to be fun. Um, I can see a scenario where this, you know, really kind of hits, and um, he he becomes what he should have been at, you know, pick 73 um, here, so, yeah. I think I think it's 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 worth a gamble. It's only a little earlier than I would have um, had him had him down. But as we know with Londo Ball, don't try to tie too much of your expectations with him because um, things things not might might not trend the way that we've all been hoping it would have since he you know, you know pick number two um, four years ago or whatever it was. Um, next. I really I don't know what to think about Draymond Green this year. So pick eighty eight, he almost gets you know on your big board at a certain point based on his his reputation and what he's done um, in the league for so long. Um, he he's on my big board at eighty four. So again, it's it's a pick. You know, both Lonzo and Draymond Green that I, that I look at, I don't really feel that excited about either of them, but. I mean, he's probably taken them at the at the right time. I think Draymond Green's upside is obviously. There with the well-rounded box box score. Um, again, you know the shooting is, is is hard to rely on, but you know we've seen that you know he's a, a triple double threat when he's at his 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 powers, and I think you know the Golden State, he's what he kind of had to do last year was just not what Draymond Green you want to do in terms of him having to to, to do a lot more on the court with Stephen Curry out and a lot of the younger guys. You know he had to be. More of a um, a lead kind of, I guess, player and, and do more than you want. What you you what you want him is you know, flying in for rebounds, triggering the fast break, um, making the smart decision decisions, making people accountable. But you know because of his intangible fit, you know, he's just you know gets a lot of minutes. He fits into the starting fives and the the counting stats just like seem to come. Um, obviously, fantastic. You know, defensively, hands in the lane, um, cheeky block, um, everything is kind of there. And I think this is, you know, the right time for him to pick because if Golden State are good, then it's probably he's good too. I think um, he, he's got to fit in around Kelly Ubrey Jr. and Wiggins and not be expected to do a lot of the things, but that's fine because you look down the bot score and you'll just have all these counting stats. Um, a scenario where Golden State aren't as good as we might think um, could trend more to, to what he did last year. Um, and, you know, for 16.8 average last year, he, he he doesn't become a value pick in the top 100. So there's an element of risk here, but I think 
the expectations Golden State become more of what we have seen and expect Golden State to have been over, you know, the 2010s decade. And if that happens, then Draymond Green is fine here. I really like the next pick in 93 for Marvin Bagley, but, I mean, I really liked the Marvin Bagley pick last year, and to be honest, even if he's shit this year, maybe I'll like the Marvin Bagley pick next year. That's because I haven't given up. A lot of people have not given up either, and, I mean, I think Jake would be one of them. Um, At pick 93, I had him at pick 88 on my big board. 16.3 16.3 average last year. The concern, obviously, was injuries, but as much as we like the upside, um, I don't think he walked into the the role that maybe he should have. There's a little bit of confusion, I think. Obviously, he's listed as a power forward, and you know you want to be power forward, but for me, it's more that gluttony of, of what they got, whether it's um, you know. Rashawn Holmes or Hassan Whiteside or some of the guys that are rotating um, off the bench. I just think there's a little bit of worry. I mean, he tested positive for coronavirus. Um, what is it, mid-December? Well, there's only um, a few, um, what, a week ago or something like that now. So there's there's just... We used to, we're still drafting him on, on potential. I mean, it's only been you know, two years removed from the draft where he went one pick before Luka Doncic. Um, and we see Luka Doncic go number two in our draft and <laughs> um, Bagley go number three. Sorry, 93 in this draft. So it's been a long time and we're, we're still drafting on potential. But I think for a player who has this potential, now's the right price to pay. Uh, he actually went pick 51 last year, um, again on potential. So I really feel that this is the, the right price to pay. And again, it's someone that can can really look good at the end of the year. I'll say it again, you know, the Kings are weird. Um, but if I want to look down the roster and, and, and think of X-Factor ones that I want to roll the dice on, um, Marvin Bagley is one of them, so... I think it's I think it's a good pick. It's 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 a worth a worthy risk at this point in the draft. I think one hundred and eight at Sergi Barker. Um, I think I think that's 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 fine. Um, obviously, you know, working into the Clippers, you know, he feels that. Um, I guess that Montrose Harrell role that we were just talking about earlier. Um, I don't think it's going to be like amazing or anything like that. Um, I'm hoping you know he can, he can basically emulate what he was doing last year. Um, but if he can do it, at a, he's 19.5 average last year makes it um, pretty sexy. I had him at 82 on my big board, and I'm looking back at it now, saying, did I have him a little bit high? But I'm trying to remember all the reasons why, and it was because I think he's 19.5 ad- average translates quite well. I think. Um, they, the, the Clippers need, um, I guess, him to, to play more of a role. I think he does close lineups over, over Zubac at, at the middle. Um, I think we saw in the playoffs, you know, his ability to, to, to shoot. Um, obviously, the, the, the defense was, was why he was touted as a prospect early. And, um, you know, the, the blocks aren't exactly, you know, at the level they were. But 
that it, it's, it's still, you know, over a block a game and, and something that, you know, you can really hang your hat on and, and, and efficient around the basket. I just think, yeah, I'm talking myself more into this one. Uh, so 108, I think that's probably a really good get. Devontae Graham, I, I like, I think most people, I'm, I'm surprised that he went this late at 113. Um, I did have worries about him, that he could replicate what he was doing last year. Obviously, um, the mellow ball kind of comes in and, you, you know, you still have, um, you know, Rogier there as, as a, you know, a guard um, rotation. So it'll be interesting to see if he can do, every, you know, a lot of the things that he did last year. His average of 18.2, very, very healthy. And if something that translates for a pick 113, I'd be stoked on. I am a little bit worried that um, he's going to be able to replicate what he did, um, especially with Lamelo Ball. But you know, I think if he plays off the ball and and beats out, you know, Terry Rozier for for more of those minutes, I think he's definitely worth having. Lou Williams, I'm super worried about. I I really kind of bumped him all the way off my big board this year. So this is um, the next pick at 128. I've done that before, and it's gone, <laughs> gone um, to to come back and buy me. So 135 actually is way down, but um, it was to the point where I, I knew that we weren't getting that deep. Um, I just didn't want didn't want to buy him. There's a lot of rumors and, and and stuff about you know the the Clippers kind of evaluating what went wrong and where they need to improve last year, and I think. There's some, you know, stock in the fact that they don't think Lou Williams is really a part of, of winning basketball, and and his playoff, you know, record kind of, reflects, that. I just think that's an area probably that they've highlighted where they think they can can do a little bit better, and I think in in, in some ways the Lou Williams Montrez Harrell, um, thing was almost a package deal, and when you know they've kind of gone out on on Montrose Harrell, I think they're a little bit out on Lou Williams and whether he gets traded or not. Um, and maybe I'm misreading the scenario. I just, I'm just really worried um, that the the role that he was afforded to kind of come in and, and cook and, and, and shoot and, and make buckets um, may not be there as much. I think, you know, obviously there's the upside and um, we'll see. If you can, if you can fit into that role again, I think obviously as a regular season player, he averaged 17.3 last year. That's, it's awesome. I'm. I'm just. I was really concerned um, about him this season. Spencer Dinwiddie at 133. Less concerned. Contract year playing um, in a deep Brooklyn team is is the only real knock on on, on Dinwiddie. Obviously, um, last year he averaged 20.2, and that has a lot to do with you know him backing up Kyrie Irving, who who really didn't play much last year. I think there's a you know. A real belief that Dinwiddie can potentially, um, you know, start and, and play a little minutes and maybe even finish for him, and that's you know the contingent of thinking that maybe Karis Levert comes off the bench. Um, still a bit of a question mark there. But the closer we get to the season, the more the feeling might be that that that's the direction they're going. I think Spencer Dinwiddie's a fantastic shooter. I think he's he's very quick. He's he's got a great handle. He he really gets the the line really good. He has a, a habit of, of complaining about every single um, call, which I think can definitely push it the other way where he doesn't get some of the calls that he should get. But um, I think if he buys in, even though he's like, you know, your fourth or fifth, you know, option off the bat, 
the way they do the rotations will keep him as fantasy relevant. And I think it, for a second last pick, it's 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 really good. I mean, I like it. Um, Luke Kennard, again, like if, if Lou Williams is is what I'm thinking he might be, then, then Luke Kennard actually fills a bit of that role. Um, so to pick 148, I actually kind of like that one too. Now, obviously, um, track record for Luke Kennard last year, he ended up becoming quite... Um, Quite nice to, to surround our team with his role in, in, in Detroit. I think he really takes, you know, a more backseat. But, you know, again, if um, his efficiency can be at a rate where he, he'll, be a, he'll be a different kind of player for the, the Clippers than Lou Williams, obviously. But, um, yeah, be a little bit more important potentially in a change in direction for them. Um, so it's it's one of those scenarios where you double up with Clippers shooting guards and you last three picks, which is not really ideal. But if you're banking on one of them to stay and one of them to not, then I think you do yourself a favor. So I'm pretty I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with that. Um, I think overall um, I'm quite high on the team, um, which is not not doing that not just because um, Jake was very kind in in saying that he was enjoying some of these reviews. So. Um, you know, if you want to be kind about it and, and, and slip me some money, then, then this is the this is the result you get. I love the team. I think you take the players where they need to be taken in the first four, and James, Curry, Ingram, and Mitchell make me super-duper excited for, for what else is going to go. I think the X factor from, you know, rounds five to 15 aren't as high as some of the other teams. Like, I don't look at a lot of the players and go, oh, wow, they, they're going to pop this year. Apart from Bagley... But that's a real back-end kind of sleep. I think it's going to pop. Um, whereas, you know, others are really a lot more certain that things are going to go well. Bagley's more like, oh, well, it has to go well, doesn't it? Because, I mean, <laughs> and now's the time. Worried about injury. But, you know, Valentinus and, and Lamarck Solidridge, I think, are real solid kind of stalls or, or you know, um, players that you can take in round six and seven to, to really give you yourself on a floor of your fantasy league that's make going to make you competitive every week so that's it I'm uh, we're, we're rolling through I'm only two more to go after this so I'm hoping you guys um continue to enjoy them and hopefully I've done your your strategy and your drafting and, and my analysis uh, I've done everything justice for you there but thanks again for listening and we'll catch you for the very last one let's go thanks fellas Fuck the pain away. 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 Fuck the pain away.